you know, every other podcast does a top 10 list. Why the hell not, right? Exactly. So this is our top list of games that we hope to and would like to play and talk about on the podcast. Um, I'm not going to put a time limit on this because this is a lot of games and um, to be beholden to this list would be kind of a nightmare. Does anyone here know how to count? So we'll do this lightning round. Yeah. So a couple sentences about, uh, you know, why you like the game, why you think it'd be good for us. And if anyone has anything they want to interject, feel free to do so. Just roll it around the table. I like it. Yeah. Uh, So I guess we'll start with my number 10. Um, That would be Coyers. The Quultimate Edition, which is the one that I have. (laughs) So dumb that they do that. But, you know, I guess you need to have brand stabilization or something. Uh, Coyers was the first game that we played in person after the pandemic. And I say after the pandemic, but... um, When we first got back together. When we first got back together. Mm -hmm. So it was, I believe it was John and Sam Mm -hmm. um, over at my house playing Coyers. Now, we have a history with Coyers as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was the first time I played it. So uh, Chris and John and I, and even Jeff, we have a history... um, when our good friend Paul passed away and we went to his funeral, um, we stayed overnight in a hotel because it was far up, enough away. It was yeah. far enough away. And obviously, we're gamers. We're going to bring some games with us. And As was Paul. So it, it was fitting. It, yeah, was, it was the right, right thing to do. Um, and so, Coyers just happened to be one of the games that we brought. And for whatever reason, it just we had a lot of fun with it and pretty much played it the entire night. Um, was before. Coyers the one where we made the... Uh, dice cage out of bananas <laughs> if we were in a room full of bananas there was a huge pile of bananas because we were playing in the kitchen like the the the, the breakfast the little breakfast the hotel nook. yeah uh so bananas uh i have this severe aversion to bananas they cause me migraines and chris thought it was funny to keep opening the drawer with the bananas in it and wafting it in my direction i think that was more john than me i wasn't near the door that doesn't sound like me that sounds more like you chris. that sounds like chris all right maybe it was paul that's terrible all right so um my number 10 is Quarriers. Uh, anyone have enough thoughts? You know, I, I got the original Quarriers 10, which was the single most inconvenient way to store a game ever. Because, first of all, you were worried about banging up the tin because mm-hmm. it would bend. And on top of that, it's just it wasn't the right shape to I mean, fit it was, anywhere else. It was a cube. It was yes. a standard cube, it, it, and it had printed on it the, the sides of the... So the logos were pretty... Actually, it was pretty good-looking. I think box. it was... Wasn't it like the dragon die that yeah. was printed on it? Yeah. So, yeah. so it, was, it, it, was, it was a good-looking can, and if that was the only game you own, or, or if you put it in its own little special spot, it would actually look very nicely, or very nice. But um, the fact that you had to try and pile it in with your other games was crazy. But I... It, it, you know, there's there's enough crazy in the dice roll that you can't take the game terribly seriously. Not but at, at the all. same time, there's a lot of fun. To do and um, it's it's really aggressive, but again, in that that way that you have to be, like you're forced into aggression. It's not like you're choosing to be aggressive. It just you roll your mm-hmm. dice and you have to attack. And so for you know, we talked about conflict in Nexus Ops for the people that are conflict diverse. This is a very approachable way yeah. to get into conflict. Yeah. I agree. All right, so John, your number ten is Table Battles. Table Battles. That's a Amabel uh, uh, Holland game. That's out of um, uh, her game company, whose name I can't recall at the Holland moment. Holland Spiel. Holland Spiel. Thank you very you know, much. Her, very her last name. 
Yes, you're right. <laughs> um, so, so um, um, uh, very uh, uh, avant-garde uh, uh, design company. Um, she grades some really great games. Table Battles has this historic aspect to it, which I like, and you'll actually see that sort of come up later on in my list. But um, it's it's called Table Battles, but it's a dice game. It's not really like battling, um, but there's a sort of interesting... Uh, seize the initiative, take control of the game that you can only hold on to for so long. And at some point you have to give that up in order to make progress. And that is the magic sauce that really makes the game work. Without mm-hmm. that, it would just be a plain old cheeseburger. But this magic sauce on it makes the game really come to life. And I actually got the print and play version of it, um, which was $12 online. It's real easy to make with some card sleeves and get some normal old dice and some matchsticks and you're all set. And that's it's just a lot of fun. And, and I, we've covered Dinosaur Table Battles, mm-hmm. which has a different kind of action going to it than table battles does which um celebrates battles in history and there's a whole bunch of expansions for it but it's if if you like anything historic it's kind of neat from that perspective if you like chucking dice at each other it's really neat that way as well Mm -hmm. and and the way it's lined up actually makes the history work and makes this sort of how do i control the play aspect to it work really well so that's why i would love to get that on the table yeah we uh as as you mentioned we did cover dinosaur (laughs) table battles so uh can kind of give that one a listen to prime yourself. I don't think I've ever played that. You haven't played either one. Either yeah, one of them. I don't think I've played either one. Yeah. So we have a we have a guy in our group that is very big on dinosaurs. So I noticed you pulled it out at the at the May gaming uh, marathon. Mm-hmm. We uh, you you had that out for the dinosaurs. But I, I can bring the game with the uh, with the historic battles. Yeah, you well. should. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll, and we I'll could probably because the they're two player games, both yep. of them. So we could play. Four people can sit down at the table, Four, and we can yeah, we can do a, a game of each and yep. kind of compare and contrast them. Uh, so, number ten for Sam, Game of Thrones. Yeah, and this is um, I know there's I think there's a couple different Game of Thrones board games. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the old school Fantasy Flight up in everyone's yeah. face. So this is the Fantasy Flight where everybody controls a different kingdom, and you duke it out, and there's politicking and backstabbing and armies marching around, and uh, it's a very conflict-heavy game, mm-hmm. uh, which doesn't match perfectly well to our group. But well, Ed has a lot of experience with this one, and okay. he—I uh, had mentioned this was on our list, and he is very much looking forward to joining us for that one. I actually, think it actually—I think it actually plays best with five. It does as play well. best with five people. Yeah. yeah. So you really want one person for each kingdom so it's it's like a dudes on a map game with yes. dice mm, yeah i believe there's dice there's a lot of um there's dude yeah it's dudes on a map there's dice there's cards there's you gotta and worry about logistics and you know paying for your people and managing there's a things. lot of it's you dudes on a map but if i recall i don't think any of us have played it i have not played i have it. Not. i think there are some euro aspects to it as there, well yeah there's some and euro then there's, aspects to it it's a heavy game it's like a three four hour game yeah and then there's a whole politicking phase it's almost like um warrior knights or, or like uh, diplomacy ish yeah oh really yeah because okay. Uh, you, you basically, the way Ed explained it to me, when he would play with his buddies, they would go off into separate rooms and negotiate make, and make their oh, wow. deals. And then somebody <clears throat> would be like, hey, I want to talk to you. And they would go off into a room after you've already been in a room with somebody else and they would make a better deal. But the first person would know and they'd be like nervous the whole time because it's like, yeah. oh, well, Ed talked to both Sam and John. 
And the second guy could just pull you into a room and say, yeah, I got nothing, but let's sit here for a while and make everybody else do. Yeah. I mean, you so, just don't I know. I mean, there's, there's so much. Uh, again, haven't played it, but from what I've heard from Ed, that seems very intriguing and well it, worth uh, yeah, the time it, it, to try it, to figure it, out. It's not a perfect match because there's, there's a lot of conflict. But I think it just sounds like such a cool experience. Mm-hmm. I really want to try it. And I had the opportunity to buy it, so... So you own it. So I own it. Oh, okay. I so agree. That makes it a whole lot easier to queue up then, yeah. doesn't it? I don't think I listed anything I don't own. All right. So, Chris, number nine, StarCraft. Yep, StarCraft. This uh, this copy of this game was given to me by John several years ago, and it's a epic game. Mm-hmm. Um, it also has a lot of conflict in it. Very conflict heavy. Yeah. yeah. And we actually played this. We played this at, uh, at the May Gameathon. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I didn't think I had the best showing. I kind of made a really dumb move, and that kind of crippled me a bit. Well, hmm. it's okay. You also sandbagged me and uh, made it so I had no shot at influencing the end game at all. Yeah, and Jeremy kind of snuck in there, and we just did, map, we didn't really pay attention to what happened. The setup with, was weird. Yeah, it was. So I'd like to bring it out again and uh, see where it goes. Oh, yeah. It's curious. I mean, your, your post-game show, even here in, in brief, shows that I, there was enough variability in the game that from play to play, you can really get a very different play out mm-hmm. of StarCraft. It was uh, oh, yeah. very different from any either... I think Samurai had played before. I'd, I'd never played it before. No, there, it was very different from. Yeah. So I, we, I think I definitely want to doctor the map set up a little bit next time because the the random generation or the quasi random generation didn't really give us an interesting. Yeah, but that goes setup. to what John was just saying. It changes the gameplay. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah but and there's random and there's also like guided random. Right, like the way that yeah. I make Thunderstone setups is guided exactly. randomness. Yeah, okay. I think I think with a little bit of guidance, we would have gotten a much more interesting setup than what we did. So this this is a Fantasy Flight Games game from 2006, 2007, Man, 2008, something like that. Games. Yeah, this is one of those larger than life coffin box games where they got the license and 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 did big stuff with it. Lots of nice little pieces in it. And yep. Yeah, I didn't put out. World of Warcraft on this list, but it should have been. That it was it would have been my World of Warcraft the board game. The board yeah. game. Or the adventure game, honestly. They're both really good. Yeah. They're completely different, but they're a lot of fun. But What's they your did number not nine make the list? So number nine for me uh, is uh, Galaxy Trucker. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. So Galaxy Trucker is uh it's kind of a real it's got a real time phase where there's a bunch of pieces in the middle of the table. And you just start snatching and trying to slot them together into your ship uh, to make something that flies and, and gets destroyed and picks up <laughs> can picks possibly up, uh, be destroyed. Picks up how you build it. You know, it flies. It picks up goods. It possibly gets destroyed. Um, it, it, is, or, it is or it limps across the finish it line. Limps across the finish line. So I don't, it's always a misadventure. The question is just how bad is it? Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't. I don't dislike games with a real-time component. Mm-hmm. They can be fun, but I find it really hard to take them seriously. This, oh, this, oh, this game is completely like not serious at all. You're like, building once a you, spaceship that pieces of it are going to fall apart and, and before you get to the guy, destination. If you want to read a lightly light-hearted rule book, Galaxy Trucker is is the rule book to read. Mm-hmm. I do I mean, enjoy a light-hearted rule book. Yes. Yeah, and it's only like two, it's like four pages long. Like, okay. it's a real simple game, and it's so light-hearted that anyone that plays this game seriously is doing it wrong. Yeah. Like, you, if you're not cackling at John's ship getting split in half by a small or, asteroid. Or your own. Or yeah. your own, even. Yeah. 
Mostly John's. Yeah, you, you're doing you, something you have, wrong. <laughs> you have to understand that you are not going to succeed. The, the 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 goal of the game is to fail less than all the other players. Exactly. All right. Yeah. All right. So, John, your number eight is Crokinole. Yeah. So, Crokinole, which can be played four players. So, we could set that board down right here in the middle. You play with teams across the middle. Um, for anybody who hasn't played Crokinole, it is um, it's a disc flipping game. It was invented in Canada in the 1800s, and it's kind of this cult game that once you've played it once you're like mm, yeah i gotta get me one of those i don't i i just don't understand how every bar doesn't have one of these like yeah. set up on its bar like yeah. on the bar yeah top. just hang it on the wall and people would bring it down if you had it set up in it's your like bar. dark like it should there should be a dartboard and a crook on yep. the board in yep. every bar in every beer hall everywhere and should, it's perfect for that do you, do you feel like this is a board game? That's what I was just thinking. I was like, does this count as a board game? It's a dexterity game. It is. is, a, it, it, is a, is it a board game? I mean, game it keeps playing board, and, you, like and it's, it's a game. Like, is darts a board game? Hmm. Is tumbling wow. dice a board game? I guess it tumbling is. Tumbling darts is, it's, tumbling dice is a board game. Okay. You know... They don't call them board games anymore. Now they are tabletop games. Tabletop games. Because tabletop game. And I'm I, just I, saying, I think most <laughs> people would not necessarily identify this as a... It's a game, but hey, I don't I think got to pick a number eight. This is my number eight. It's all Crokinole. Right, it's I mean, it's that, fun. Like I said, I've played it. I've yeah. enjoyed it. John handily wiped the floor with me. But next time you play, you will be much better. But I had and a I, good time. And right? I'll tell you this. Get a copy. I don't care how cheap the board is. Make it out of cardboard, and you will have a good time with this game. It does not have to be some fancy $600 board with custom art on it. Just get a board and go play. It's it's that much fun. That's why I want to bring it out and have us talk about it Sam, while your, we play. Sam, your number eight is Level 7 Invasion, the first of two of your Level 7 games. Yeah, it's a whole universe of Level 7 games. Uh, level 7 Invasion is fun for me because yeah, but is it a game really <laughs> is this the cooperative one it's a cooperative one. It yeah is. cooperative yeah. games that, aren't, aren't really games, games. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're puzzles or activities yeah yeah, yeah. they're past i enjoy cooperative games um there are some people who are very conflict averse i don't mind conflict but yeah sometimes you don't want to you know sometimes it's nice to cooperate with people Mm-hmm. And level seven invasion does that really well. Everyone's playing a different coalition of nations on the globe and you're working together to fight off an alien invasion that just kind of progressively gets worse uh, until you can complete your uh, science MacGuffin. So the tagline for all cooperative games should be, and then it gets worse. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Exactly. It's, it's the bad news deck. Whatever whatever game you're playing has something that issues bad news to you, and you just have to deal with whatever that yeah, rains and, down and on you. Level 7 Invasion has that in spades. Every round, everybody has to pick uh, two bad things to happen from cards that only they're allowed to look at. And... It gets rough. Yeah, and there's no hidden trader or anything like that. It's a legit co-op game. And actually, I, I got to admit, I enjoyed it. Now, it's it's big. It's it's not a game you're going to knock out in an evening in an hour and a half. So it's it's something you need to set up and make. You know, it's going to be an event. But um, for that large, <coughs> excuse me, for that larger than life sort of game, I think it's a good choice. I enjoyed it. All right, Chris, tell us about Terraforming Mars, your number eight. Terraforming Mars, it's an excellent game, but you will notice that on here I do not have Terraforming Mars and all of its expansions. <laughs> um, I enjoyed the game Terraforming Mars until we brought out the 
United Nations or whatever right. it was. Coalition. Yeah. On the Venus, include Mercury, yeah, go to Saturn, yeah, it, it, it got diluted, stars. it changed everything, it kind of just warped the core game. Yeah. Play so it with I, Prelude and... Yeah, yeah, there's the Prelude, which is really great, and there's the Venus expansion and the colonies and the... Yeah, let's just play with the Prelude yeah, and leave politics, it Politics, the sun. Yeah. There's a so, lot. I know a lot of people out there have played Terraforming Mars. I mean, we've played a lot of Terraforming Mars. There was yes. there was a period of time where it was on a table every week that we had game night. Yeah. Yeah, we and, were typically running two tables at that point. We had enough And people. I think um, up until probably the last two or three times we've played Wings for the Baron, it was our number one face-to-face game. I think mm-hmm. so, yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's one we're all very familiar with, and it's, you know, something we should probably talk about at some point. Well, and that's that's sort of a question is what what, what brings it to the podcast? Why, why? I mean, this is a pretty universally known game, and mm-hmm. I'm just trying yeah. to decide if, if that's it, – it's certainly – it's certainly a Hall of Fame game. I'm just curious why you picked it for for this list as opposed to something that maybe is a little more um, um, unknown or, or interesting for I like it ways. because that it is a well-known game. I like hearing the playback of the game and the, the table talk. That was the whole reason we started doing the podcast was because of the talk that we had. The post-game show. The yeah. post-game show. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's all about the conversation. It's not really like a review or... I mean, yeah, we're trying to spotlight certain games like Wings for the Baron, but at the same time... You know, these are games that we have enjoyed. And we're just playing anyway. And we're just playing anyway. And, you know, why not talk about a game that you enjoy playing? You enjoy playing, and it's different just about every single time. You can choose a different path that you want to go down. I I just love the nerd tech. And I'll be honest with you, I never go after the biology stuff because I'm like, it's icky. I'd much rather be, like, (laughs) smashing comets into the planet to get water there. I mean, that's cool. So I always find that I'm playing. I couldn't care if I win or lose. I just want to do something cool. You tell yourself a cool story. (laughs) Exactly. I I don't know. I, I think... Terraforming Mars, I think, has uh, has come and gone for me. But we One can more probably time. we can get some interesting conversation out of it. Yeah, I'm sure, it's no scythe, that's for sure. <laughs> oh God, All right, scythe! So, I don't think is on anybody's list. So starting uh, with the number sevens, uh, my number seven is Tomb. Not a game. <laughs> so Why is Tomb not a it. game, Chris? <laughs> so Tomb is Tomb's actually the reason uh, that I. Uh, this is the game that brought us all together. I mean, John and Chris have been playing together forever. Is this like the second or third game that has brought us all together? No, this is the original one that he was sent to so games I, and stuff to demo. I used to work for okay. AEG uh, as a demo monkey um, at Origins and Gen Con, and their first, the first board game that AEG ever produced was Tomb. And hmm. part of my service to AEG was to go to local game shops, which was games and stuff and play it with people to try to, you know, sell it. Generate interest. Yeah. And I believe I played it with John. Chris wanted to play. He kept looking at it and was like, Oh, that looks neat. Uh, but I'm hosting this event. So I have to be host and, uh, never got to play it. Never. I don't even think it's a real game. So this game is still have not played it. I still have not played it since it came out in like, 2009. Yeah, 2009. Yeah. Like every time it comes out, some reason Chris either isn't in town. You own it, don't you? Right. Or for some reason he it, can't make is that Is there a session. copy here? Uh huh. Yeah. It's, it's my copy. <laughs> I left it here. Yeah. So, so to but, taunt you. But, but mention the, the, the secret to the way we play mm-hmm. is that there's a whole bunch of cards that got shot underneath the insert inside the box mm-hmm. and never have they seen the light of day again. Yeah. So essentially. 
<laughs> I was on the playtesting crew for this as well. I did uh, several playtesting games, gave a lot of playtesting notes as to things that I thought were wrong with the game and didn't work and just grammatical errors, and they were largely ignored. So remembering mm. what all of those changes were, mm, mm, when I mm, finally mm, got mm, a retail copy of my own, I made the changes myself. And through the years as we've played, we've further culled the deck and have basically turned a game that had a very heavy take that aspect, which really draws out the game and really doesn't add any fun. Um, we've kind of culled all that, and what we've ended up with is a pretty fun just get in, push your luck, kill everything, yep. and get out with as much as you can carry. Before somebody else, this can is beat like you. dungeon crawl. Like yep. the dungeon crawl, when mm -hmm. you go in and you go into the rooms and you kill yep. monsters and get treasure, right? Yeah. Yep. And exactly. so the person huh. to your left is playing. When you go into a, yeah, yeah. a room with monsters, the person to your left is playing your the opponent. monsters. Yeah. And to me, that's that's enough player interaction. I don't need thieves that go around stealing and murking other players. All that does is drag out the game. Um, I don't need I don't need wizard spells that lock the door to the inn and don't let people go in and refresh them. And do what they want to do. And do what they need so, to right. do. I don't need those cards because they just extend the game and make it less fun. Yeah. That's Tomb. This, um, Tomb is just one of those games where sometimes I have to be someplace else, like a finance meeting or someplace well, else, and it comes out. When we When we play for the podcast, we'll make sure Chris is there. And we'll have a lot to say about it. <laughs> I, I'll believe I, it when I see it. I really think that we need to like time it to where he's not here. <laughs> like next week when he's out of the town, out of town. That's when this we is, need to play this, this one. This I'm here next week. Kind of like a a fun inside joke for everybody except Chris, where it's cruel and, and somehow <laughs> nasty. Like a great game. I'll listen to the podcast. <laughs> it's not a game. Like, uh, oh, if only Chris were here, he would love this. Oh gosh. All right, yeah, so John, then we, and then when we send him pictures, that makes it that much worse. Yeah. What so. game is that? So, so John, your number seven is Heat Pedal to the Metal. Heat pedal to this is the another metal. one we've played a lot of recently. We uh, have played bro. this recently. We even did it for the podcast. We did it for the podcast, but it was our first play ever. And it's funny. I just re-listened to the podcast, and one of the points we're making is, hey, you know, for the first time out of the gate, this was actually kind of cool. Maybe we should play this some more. And I think now we all have um, gotten at least one more player under our belt, and we've started getting a, a better understanding of exactly how everything works. So I think... Um, um, maybe a few more plays even before we move on to actually doing the one that we do on the podcast. But it'd be nice to come back to this now that we've got a whole lot more experience with it. And mm -hmm. and, and frankly, our our takeaway from it the first time we played, everything was, everybody was very positive on it. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, and I think all of that has been reinforced from the plays that we have done since then. Yeah. I, I mean, we played like a basic no special cards game. Had a lot of fun with that. Mm -hmm. And then we played like the first race of a campaign, which we had every intention of playing the three races, but time got away from us and other things were happening. So even that first race, we did uh, what the the weather rules, did the weather rules, the sponsors, um, were the in sponsors. There. So we did everything that we could except for the garage because it doesn't play with the the campaign yeah, with right. the season race. Right, and we had did we and we pulled a special card to start. Mm -hmm. That was part of the campaign. Yeah, yeah that's that's part of the campaign and the sponsors. Yep. So I mean, we were playing the game full bore, mm -hmm. like with all the rules, and it was, I mean, still a lot of fun. So, yeah. In fact, um, I think it added to it. Oh, it, it definitely, it, it definitely gave it some did. nice flavor. Um, yeah. You know, just having those car upgrades where you can do one thing just a little bit better than everybody else, yeah. 
and then you can figure out where on the track it makes sense to do that yeah and when you pick up a sponsor card that gives you a nice little special rule it's just a onesie you get to use it one time but that Mm -hmm. was a nice addition too so i think i think there's a lot to this game and you know one of the things i said was there's a nice kit here where you can start doing a lot of other things and i think that still very much applies so i I think think the advanced rules will be an interesting addition yeah all right sam your number seven is leaving earth which also happens to be john's number four so let's go ahead and (gasps) knock It that is. Out. Leaving Earth. Tell me about Leaving so Earth. So Leaving Earth is a game about the space race, right? It's uh, mankind is just discovering space travel, and you're trying to leave Earth and be the first one to reach orbit, to reach the moon, to reach Mars, and even further. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of really cool things here. Of particular note, I think what everyone everyone I know who enjoys the game likes talking about how technology works Mm -hmm. where you pay to invent a new type of rocket or something, right? So you get a, and it's all the historical names for the, the, the rockets and the capsules and yeah i can never remember what they're called and you get your rocket and when you use it you have to flip over from a, a three card deck to see if it works or if it blows up and you don't know what those three and cards are. And you don't know are. what they are. They could all be successes or they could all be failures. Um, but you don't know until you actually purchase the rocket part and launch it. And so once you've launched it and you flip over a card, you can pay to remove that card from the deck. Or you can just put it back in. So you play this interesting game where it's like, okay, I drew a success. Do I want to burn the success to make sure they're all successes? Or do I like load up a multi-year mission to Mars and trust that none of these rockets are going to explode? And find out that your uh, and, life and, support didn't right, work and, properly. And find out that you have two yeah. successes and one major failure and you've just gotten lucky every time except for the final leg of the journey. Mm. Um, and then you can trade your technology with other players. So you might say, well, you can buy this technology from the bank or you can get it from me and I've already made it so that it works perfectly. Um, yeah, so there's a bartering aspect to it. There's, and there's a, a lot of math. There's, there's a, well, there's a lot of arithmetic. to math. Right, it's <laughs> a lot of logistics is, is that you need to figure out how to make things work um, and it's it's moving through multiple steps. So if you want to land on the moon, you got to figure out how much weight you need to get down to the moon in order to get back up from the moon and then you need to carry that much weight to you to the moon and so on and so forth and you start. None of it's difficult math, but there's just enough steps that you it, it forces you to have some level of organization. So there's, a, there's an engineering nerd aspect yes, to this, a project really management is. nerd to this and then there's this honing of your tool you decide i'm going to buy the saturn 5 i get three cards all could be failures all could be success every time you every time you use it you turn over one card and if you want to you can burn away all three of those cards and you now have a perfect saturn 5 rocket that you never have to worry about that's gonna work every time but that's gonna cost you money and you need to decide i've got you know the saturn 5 feels good it's probably right i need to be spending money on an apollo capsule money instead. And, and those are the time. kinds of things. money and yeah. time right because you run into the situation where it's like it's the first person to the yes, moon gets it's the points. a race to the moon. So it's the first person in orbit. I yep. launch a turn before John because he perfected his rocket and I get lucky. That counts I as get the points. points. Yep. And and what's nice is 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 okay, and we you know, I always complain about catch up mechanics, but here's the kind of thing where if Sam's run away with the lead, Chris Stephen and I start saying, okay, I'll give you a rocket. You give me rendezvous. You take a capsule. With, you know, we make this all work, and we can start mm-hmm. bartering and, pieces and the like and, and work and, together. And part of it is that you can see, okay, John's going to make it to the moon before I do, but he's committed all of his resources to that. So now I'm going to pivot 
Yep. And go for something else. Right. Probe to Mars, something else that, that scores you points yeah. instead. So it's it's really neat. It's a historic aspect. It's got the whole engineering nerd aspect. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's and it's just, it's, 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 it's I mean, a it game made, that it really made, tells a story. It made two of our lists. Yeah. I think it's the reason. only one that did. It might be. Yeah. Uh, we made some edits. There were a couple of other ones, but uh, Chris. But they didn't make the final list, so they Chris, don't count. Your number seven is Mississippi Queen. My number seven is Mississippi Queen. And I mean, this is one of the great games. If you haven't noticed, I do like racing games, mm-hmm. particularly Mississippi Queen is you're floating down to Mississippi in a steamboat. You're the captain. You're picking up ladies and you're heading to the finish line. There's that explorer quality of it because you go to the edge of the map and you roll the die and you place a new river. river. Is yep. it going left? Is it going right? Or is it going straight? And then you don't know what's in the river. It could be a sandbar. It could be an island. It could be something protruding. There's the one with the sticks that are coming out. So, I mean, Mississippi Queen, it's quick. It's fun. Very light. I think it was an award winner. I think it won one of the I, big awards. I think, it has a couple, I think it has a couple ribbons on the box. Yeah, yeah. it was a Spiel de Chars in 1981. No, it's not that old, is it? No, it's not that old, but it is very old. It's 2004, 2005, it, if I had to guess. It does have an expansion that Everybody's plays reaching for their five phone. and six. And the Black Rose. The Black yeah. Rose. Stephen and I at Gen Con, we purchased... 1997. Okay. Stephen and I at Gen Con purchased at an auction a copy of Mississippi Queen and the Black Rose. Yeah, and, and you can do well without yeah. the Black Rose. Black Rose is a little hard to find. With Without it, it's, it's still a very good game, and it's light. It's the kind of game that you can bring out with kids. Yeah. Um, there's, there's not anything really hidden, so you can kind of coach. You can tell people... Yeah, I don't normally like... Racing games. I'm sure we've discussed that at length. Um, this one doesn't feel like a racing game. This one doesn't feel like a racing game to me. I really enjoy it. Yeah, this one is begging for a reprint. I am shocked that nobody has put this one out in the last thirty years. Has it years. not been reprinted? It has not. That's crazy. That yeah. is crazy. One of the greatest things is the ending to Mississippi Queen always tells a story. Because <laughs> it is you are racing to spot number one, and you have got to be going a certain speed. And if you're, and there is always somebody flying up behind you <laughs> that is trying to take that number one spot. Right. <laughs> if they shove you one spot too far, suddenly you're going too fast, and you may not be able to stop. So there's 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 a there's a slam and bang aspect to it as well that makes it a whole lot of fun. And and, and you're right. Not to, not only does it tell a story, but all the games we're listing here, they all tell stories. I mean, there's real narrative. It's something all of us seem to agree on. Well, uh, I'm going to change that comment. I'm not sure. Quarriers <laughs> tells the story. Quarriers uh, definitely does. But my number six is Dominant Species. How does Croc- how does Crokinole Dominant tell a story? Species has one of the greatest stories ever told. I mean, for us, yes. But for us, and yes. The game itself, I mean, it's about as dry a, as a game can get on this list. Yes. It's Tundra. It's Tundra it is, dry. It is, it is Tundra dry, and uh, Tundra age. comes for you very mm. quickly. It's very fiddly, if I remember correctly. So this is a game that... Um, I, I mean, think does, is what does it play best with, Stephen? So this Not is me. this is a game <laughs> that uh, is probably GMT's most successful not war game. Okay, and um, it's essentially yeah, that may be the case. It's essentially two games, kind of. You play two two concurrent games at the same time. Yeah. So on the on the right side is the worker placement part, and on the left side is the um, 
I don't know if it's area even, control. I don't know what you uh, call yeah, what, it. Uh, I, I was going to say area control, but I'm not it's sure not that really that's... Area control. It's not really area control. It's like niche control. I don't know. It's it's crazy what it is, but it's it all works together really well, except at higher player counts, because what ends up happening is the worker placement part happens, and it all happens in order. So a yeah. a, a spot that you may pick down towards the bottom of the the worker placement could by the time it gets down to that it could be just worthless yeah like it you might put something down that says i want to put uh my spiders in three different spots and somewhere up the line somebody kills all your spiders so you can't move them yeah it steals all your food or that area for yeah and when you're playing at six, it's so chaotic. It's very difficult to yeah. make any kind of plans or even be tactical. And, and it's curious because it's, you know, the game is sort of a heads down technical play where you need to make sure you get everything right, which is real common worker placement. Mm-hmm. But especially with the higher player counts, it can be, there can be these arbitrary factors of and i'm going to call them luck i mean there's no luck in the game it's Mm -hmm. everybody's making decisions um or no really particularly deep luck but things can happen to you that are simply beyond your ability to control or predict Mm -hmm. that can have really really breathtaking effects you can end up losing a chunk of a turn or even even your position on the board that you have to make up for for the remainder yeah i mean there 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 was a time where well this wasn't a four-player game but um I put out. I had four markers to put out, and only one of them fired off. Yeah, like I yeah. literally wasted an entire round. Yeah, because all of the other people's choices negated everything yeah. that I did down the line. Yeah, um, I've played this several times with three and with four, and I've enjoyed it for the brain burning that happens. But that one six-player time. Um, it, it's never, we're never going to play this with six again. And I don't think so. We'll go into that when we actually do the recording for this. So John, your number six, Buffy, the vampire slayer, the game. Yes. And that is the official title. This is the, the version that came out in 2000. It was by Milton Bradley. 2001, Milton Bradley. 2001. Okay. I was close. Um, um, where you are running around, you've got one person playing the baddie. There's four different scenarios, and then everybody else is playing the cast of the original TV show Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which you now need to be a little bit older to have actually seen on TV. I've never seen um, it on it TV. Was, it was quite a cult classic mm-hmm. at the time. It had a very unique audience. Um and it's just a larger than life play. And I'll be honest with you, I think it is perhaps the best pulp board game that has ever been published mm-hmm. from that mass market, you know, going out to the general audience sort of games. It is just, it jumps off the table. It's got a real life to it. It's, it's, everybody has a little bit of a special capability. So everybody's playing the same rule set, but one person can go a whole lot faster. One person's better at attacking. One person's better at magic. And the idea is that you find ways to use your special skills and whatever you have stumbled across on the board in order to defeat whoever your mm-hmm. opponent is. And I think um, just especially when you're playing with four or five people, the game really comes to life because everybody has their unique role. And it, it just was a lot jumps. of fun. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and when we played at the, at the May Gameathon, 
um, we got it out two nights in a row. We played multiple sessions each of those nights because yeah. it was just it's it's the kind of game that after you play, you know, say, yeah, I racked that up. Let's play it again. Mm. And it plays in what maybe twenty minutes, half an hour, depending on how things if go. That, it's yeah. not a terribly long yeah. game, and it sets I mean, up pretty quickly. It, it's definitely uh, got a Gonzo feel to it. Yeah, you you can end the game on the first turn. It could happen. Yep. And 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 don't plan on buying this game brand new because it hasn't been sold in stores for 20 years now, but there are so many used copies out in the world. You're going to find it at thrift stores, you're going to find it on eBay for just a few bucks. Don't worry about getting some pristine copy. It's it's an inexpensively produced game as it is. Get a copy that's complete, have some fun with it. It's just it's it's the kind of game that you're screaming and laughing and yelling at each other as you're playing. It's a lot of fun. All right. Number five for Sam is another level seven game. It is level seven Omega Protocol. So this is the same as the other level yeah, so seven. So this is a, this is a cooperative it's, fighting it's off aliens. It's actually in the same universe. <laughs> it's actually very common, or sorry, very similar to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You have one person playing the bad guys, and everybody else plays a character. Um, in this case, you're not hunting vampires. You're uh, delving into a alien laboratory trying to uh, apprehend the mad scientist. Hmm. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's mm. it's definitely heavier than okay. Buffy is. Well, obviously, everything is going to be heavier than Buffy. Yeah, pretty much. Buffy. But you have this interesting back and forth where um, as the, the players controlling the commandos move throughout the map and fight monsters, uh, they... Every action they take, they build up adrenaline. Mm-hmm. And then they give all of these adrenaline tokens to the player controlling the bad guys who spends them to take actions and spawn more bad guys. Okay, so that's uh, that's a running gear from Lord of the Rings, the card game, or the TCG from Decipher. So essentially what happened is you've got... Um, one person's playing the Fellowship and the other person's playing the Dark or whatever they call the... The bad guys. The bad guys. And the pers- the the fellowship could take almost as many actions as they wanted to. And when they would do that, they would hand power over to the dark pl- the dark player who could then do uh spend almost the same could spend the same amount of power, but his abilities were typically stronger. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so it was this whole like, do I push it? Do I do I get Sam out even though I'm gonna give the the ring race four power to play with? And not the Sam, that Sam. Yeah, the Sam. Yeah, Samwise, not Sam Samuel. Wise, yeah. yeah, no, it's it's definitely not the first time that's ever been done. Um, but I enjoy it because you end up with this this back and forth of the commandos trying to complete things. Uh, in as few actions as possible. Mm-hmm. And I really think in interest of telling a story, you really do end up with a story where the commandos are keeping things under control. They're calm, they're collected, and then something goes wrong and suddenly there's a big adrenaline spike mm. and everything continues to go wrong for the rest of the level. So this is on a map? Yeah. With guys walking on the map mm-hmm. and you're rolling dice, you're throwing there cards? Are, there are dice. Okay, all right. I've never seen this one, so that's no, really interesting. No, I think I've played this. I don't believe any of you have played this. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. Um, but, yeah. yeah I think you're, you're con- John's curiosity. You're, you're controlling so. guys on a map. Know, you yeah. roll dice. Sounds space hulky, too. 
It is very yeah. space hulky. It's, it's on it that is, one. It is very space hulky. Yeah. So, Chris, uh, your number five is Power Grid. Um, do you want to do this because you did so poorly last time? Hey, I blame Ed for that. So, I mean, Ed did just as bad as you did. You know, so. he's yeah, right here, so I do think, we just want to come to consensus that everything was Ed's fault. I think it was all Ed's fault. I mean, everything was Samuel's fault, if you ask me. We did misplay a rule that was pretty important, kind of put Ed over on California by and himself. And gave Sam control of the fattest part of the board. Yeah. So, huh. I mean, it, it's a suggestion, so I can't say we did it wrong. We just should have ignored the suggestion. Yeah. It, well, the suggestion we thought was a rule. So, yeah. I blame myself a little bit for that because I blame whoever I was reading the rule book at the time. Yeah. And I got to be honest with you. I do not recall who that was. Yeah. I mean, who is it that likes to read rule books? Right here? Uh, not it, anymore. You know apparently what? He's not going to touch any more rule books. Well, it's because. This happens. <laughs> uh, I would like to try it on a different map, um, just because it looks like. So we have Germany. What other maps do we, we have? Germany. Have? We have Italy. We oh, have we do have Italy the US, which was France. Played, right. Uh, I think Italy is only two player. That's yeah. right. Italy is only two player. Oh, so Italy is we, two player, or is Italy best two player? Who knows? We do have Germany, so or France. What's the what's on the back of? I think they're both. We have both. What's okay. on the back of the U.S.? We have four maps. I think it's, it's Germany is on Germany. the back. I think it's, it's Germany, Germany yeah. yeah. I think so, it's the U.S. or, yeah, the U.S., Germany on one board, and then France and Italy on the other. Yeah. Yeah. So we've yeah. got we've got a couple options. So we may revisit that one. Yeah. That's a game we haven't played in years and years and years. We played it and went, huh, I wonder why we stopped playing this. Yeah. It's because Chris it's always won game. in the past. Yeah, and we didn't want to well, yeah. so let that. worry about yeah. that this time, did we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my number five is Imperial 2030, which oddly, uh, or not oddly, but coincidentally is a game that i typically win all the time um which i probably is why we don't play it as much either <laughs> uh this is a matt gertz rondell game that um you know i find fast i find fascinating An- another game with virtually zero luck oh there's no- there there may be truly zero that is luck a truly zero luck game the only luck is where you are sitting in the player order to have your starting um, you're starting. You're euros. starting shares. You're, st- you're starting, yeah, starting shares. shares. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like you, you might luck into being in China to start off with, or you might luck into being in. Uh, and frankly, in if Brazil. you wanted to, you could negotiate who gets to start where. So yeah. you could even yeah. take that out John, of the picture. How do you, you feel want. about Imperial 2030? Yeah. You know, so I bought uh, Imperial 2030 was a Christmas gift years and years and years and years and years ago, and I could never get anybody to play it. Y'all looked at it and y'all said, "Well, it's a big flat box, therefore it's not good because good games only come in square boxes." And we never played. So finally, I'm like, I came late one day, and you guys were playing something else. I said, "You know what? I'm going to get it out, and I'm going to because the rule book comes with a sample starting game where it plays like the first two or three times around the board, so you get to see how it works." And then they encourage you to say, hey, if you like, just pick up where you left off because now you know how to play. So I sat down. Stephen came just a few minutes later. He sat down. I said, okay, help me with this. i got to figure out how this works. And the two of us were looking at this. When we got to the sample, at the, at the end of the sample play, we're like, hey, this rock and rolls. We should we should play this. And between the two of us, we were able to kind of push this through. And then suddenly everybody was deciding, yeah, this is a cool game. And at one point, there was a night when I couldn't make it for whatever reason. And I didn't. I hadn't left the game here or anything. I, it was at home. And one of the other people in our group purchased the game so that you could play that night. So it got that much fire going on underneath it that the game ended up getting played. So so we ended up with two copies for a while, but we backed off of it. I don't think we've played it in a few years at this point. Yeah, and <clears throat> so you got rid of your copy because there was the other copy. There was copy. the other copy, yeah. And now that copy is no longer a part of our group. 
So I had to then go and purchase. So we're on our third copy. So we're on our third copy of Imperial 2030. Sam's over here shaking his head. Why are you shaking your head? This is, it's not a game that I enjoy. Have you played it? I have played it several times. Okay. It's not a game that I enjoy. It is so Sam, though. There's no conflict. Oh, wait. Yes, there is. There's tons of conflict. Tons yeah. of conflict. There's there's no luck. I think that's probably... There's no Ooh. dice that you need to control. Ooh. I mean, you have <laughs> ultimate control. It's yeah. just not I, a game that clicks for me. I, don't I, know. I think the part he doesn't like is like you take in one army into a place where there's one army, and they both go away. I, there's nothing particular about this that I don't like. I just... Maybe maybe it's, it's just because you don't actually own anything on the board. Like, frankly, you, I think it's because it's depressing. Uh, wow, that's curious. So thematically, the game has enough of an impact on you that you don't want to play it. Yeah, it really isn't that interesting. That is interesting. It shows, so it, I mean, just goes to show that 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 sort of part of a game can have that kind of impact on somebody playing it. I just you you. You're not really invested in these countries. You don't care about anything there. You no, care but about you're making trying to money. get all the money. Yes. From and you I just, just sell them squeeze, out down the river. You just exploit right. everything for as like much as you can. Yeah. And it's the and what's away. not to love about that? It's depressing. <sighs> that makes sounds me sad. Amazing. It's, just, wow. it's just my soul dies a little bit every time. I'm like, yeah. You really have to be able to detach yourself from the country that you I'm are I'm not good at that. I'm like, yeah. oh. Oh, yeah. This is now well, my, on the other hand, I'm like, oh, China. Okay. So, so, so it, it yeah. violates the, the "this is me, these are mine" rule because there is nothing about this game that you truly own except for the dollars in your hand. Everything else is something that is fully negotiable that you could just flush away at a moment's notice yeah. and turn it and, into cash. And to be honest, I think I'd be fine if you did own, like, if if you were betraying your country and like siding with another one. You'd be okay with that. I'd be okay with it because you're still like committing to something. It's just. And the you sure you want that to be recorded and put out on the internet? <laughs> Given who you work for. Well, <laughs> look, it's just the fact that all you're attached to is the cash and that's all that matters. That makes me sad. I mean. Okay, he's back in good with the Republican half of the country at any rate. Uh, so we've and talked about leaving frankly, Earth. It's, it's too realistic. Wouldn't that be the Democratic part? He's the Republican. The cash and run? No, I was thinking no I'm saying cats. I don't like that. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Oh, but, okay. but, but, but when you, you mentioned that, well, okay, that's fine. Yes, yeah, so we, we did talk about leaving Earth. The, the only thing I would add to leaving Earth from a personal, personal perspective, if you're a tech nerd kind of guy, it's just a great game from that perspective. So. And there's a bunch of expansions. And it's yeah, extremely hard to get from what I've... It's, it's hard to get from the people that can make all the copies they want, oddly enough. So, yeah, if you see a chance to get a copy of this used or, or, or somebody's looking to trade it away, I mean, They're, they're still making it. They're just apparently bad at they're fulfilling the orders in a timely fashion. Yeah. Yeah. And they make it when they want to, yeah, regardless so, you know, of how many I, people want to buy I it from them. I got mine in excellent by, by dumb luck, you, you ordered the game just when they were making sets, and you actually got one. And, and when you told me, oh, yeah, it's, I already got it, I'm like, wow. You yeah, got I, really I ordered lucky, it dude. and got it like a week later, and apparently most people wait months. So, so in, in I will current, cut that just so that you don't come under the out. ire of... You don't want to get doxxed yeah. because of all the, all the angry people out there. Are but, there that many angry Leaving Earth fans? Oh, gosh. There's thread after thread after about thread people. And, and, you know, and on these Reddit, days, on BGG. These days, you, you purchase a game and it doesn't show up at your house for like two and a half years and that's considered normal 
And these people do it, except they're a little more upfront about it. They say, yeah, we're, we're going to take your money and we have no clue when we're going to produce it. And they don't make any promises or anything like that. And eventually it shows up. I don't know of anybody that has ever gotten stiffed on it. Mm-hmm. It just takes them a long time to get around to doing it. So it's, it's kind of an odd game that way. I do want to pick up the station's expansion. I haven't yet because it's... I, I have just the base game, and I think I'm going to stick with just the base game, at least for now. And and the, the expansions are easier to get because enough of those copies are out in the wild that you, yeah. you can purchase well, those easily the, enough. I think just the base game actually has one of the expansions in it. Yeah, it comes it? with Mercury. It comes with the Mercury expansion. I just I like the stations. Like, space stations are cool. Yeah, no, I, I'm not I'll try them. That's it. You. Space stations are cool. All right, Sam, uh, your number four is Trade on the Tigris. Now, yeah. I've never heard or seen this one. We've, I I've, bought this game from John. Yes, you did. So, so y'all the, played the it. The three of us have played it. Yeah. I guess I, you did. I have played it. Yeah. I got it in a raffle. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of this, there's, there's a real time aspect to it, like Pit, where you're negotiating and trading <clears throat> with anybody else at the table mm-hmm. and you're kind of flipping cards around and I'll give you this for that and so on and so forth and then at the end you kind of play out your cards to see what what you can score out of them. Yeah, so, so I, I really enjoy this game because you're developing your civilization and there are like two main tracks that you, you purchase upgrades from um, and there's a like a political track where you can go towards one extreme or the other, and there's a religious track where you can go from one extreme to the other. Um, And so you can choose between, I think it's like democracy and autocracy, and then like a peaceful religion and a a violent religion. And the upgrades are totally different. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you can mix and match, right? And so you end up with everybody has kind of their own blend of what's going on, and they're trying to to do different things to score points. A bit of unique culture for each player as as it progresses. It's really interesting. I really enjoy it. Chris, your number three is The Adventurers. Uh, The Adventurers. I mean... This game is awesome. It's a it's a great portal game to get people drawn into playing board games. Um, I am a huge Indiana Jones fan. Yeah. Say, is this the one with the temple? This is Temple of Jack. Temple. I mean, I've seen all of Harrison Ford's Indiana Jones movies. And, I mean, you come in, you're immediately in a room where the walls are closing. You run out. You have a boulder chasing you, yeah. and you come across, and you can either cross across the the lava the lava Ooh. pit. Or you can work your way around. You can try and pick up treasure on your way, and then, or you can jump out the the uh, river and make it out the temple before the boulder closes you in. So there's just it's fun, it's excitement, it's got that. You, know, you, you it get the picks up your, your pace, it pushes your luck. And lots of dice rolls. There's betrayal. So, and there's so tragedy. many stories <laughs> that we have where it's like, yeah. I, got, I was on the bridge and it fell apart on me, or I was in the river and I didn't make that jump and I went over the waterfall, or, or I made it out just one step before the boulder slammed in shut. Or, or even better, you are on the bridge that everybody else wants to use behind you when you jump up and down on the rickety bridge to break it so that it it's just barely holding up and then you take off so that the next person blows through it instead and they have to go around the long way yep they have to go around the long <laughs> way with a boulder on their on their butt or 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 they're trying to figure out how to to undo the one trap to get some piece of treasure and you just walk up and go nope it goes like this ding 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 you pull the treasure and you take off and they're stuck standing there holding nothing so it's a quick fun exciting game uh so number 3 for you me Steven uh, lost my place on the list there. Uh, Eminent Domain. So Eminent Domain really? is 
Yeah, Eminent Domain is like one of my favorite deck builders other than Thunderstone. Which one's Eminent Domain? So Eminent Domain is that space deck builder that we played on BGA a lot during the pandemic. Oh, the one you always win? Yeah. Okay. I remember Because I played it a lot more than y'all did. (laughs) I mean, I probably have 200 games on BGA. Yeah, I remember it now. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. this... hmm? I see. That was green. Yeah. So this one uh, was an early Kickstarter. It was also one of, I think, Tasty Minstrel's first games. Um, and it's just essentially a deck builder where instead of like, instead of buying cards to add to your deck, every time you take that action, you take a card into your deck. And then when you take actions, if you have copies of those cards in your hand, you can play them down to strengthen that action. And it was just a really interesting way to do a deck builder, um, that hadn't been done before at the time. Mm-hmm. So um, everything was a Dominion clone until, and this was very different. And this so was very is different. Is very different. I is, yeah. yeah, don't want to still bury is. It. Um, and so I really liked. I really like it. It's one of my. It's one of my favorite games. It's why it's my number three on this list, and it's why I played it so much on BGA uh, during the pandemic time. So, Eminent Domain. I would like to get that played. I think we can do that one. Uh, John, your number three is Maria. Maria, and this is where I get old and crotchety and boring, and when it comes right down to it, I do have a couple of of very conflict-heavy games on this list, including Maria, and we played it at um, uh, uh, the the May getaway weekend. I enjoyed it. It's got this really cool mechanic of, um, you know, the deck of cards is essentially, it's what, two through eight uh, hearts, clubs, spades, and diamonds. Diamond, right. It's the four suits. And, and depending on where you are on the map, you play the different cards. So this is a, this is a three-player war game, and you play it three-player. Don't play it any other number. And it's um, all three factions have to work against the other two factions, and if anybody doesn't hold their share... Then, then uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm boring you two over here. Sorry about that. But We're just playing rock, rock, paper, scissors to see who gets to be the third person. Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's whoever doesn't show up on game night is what it boils down to. But um, uh, there, there's a historic aspect to it, which I enjoy. Um, I personally enjoy war games where you're going head-to-head, so I don't mind beating people up, and that's as long as that's how the game is played. This I, is an incredibly well-respected war game. Um, gets great reviews and it's very unique, very card driven. There's no dice in the game. You essentially have a hand of cards and you keep adding cards to add strength to the amount of people that you're putting into battle. And part of the key of the game is to not overextend. It's okay to lose a battle. You want to lose a battle by just a little bit. And by being on that losing side, you get to decide when to withdraw. And that is the magic of the game, is that ability to understand, it is time for me to get out of this. I don't want to spend any more. I don't want to tear up my armies. If you can figure that part of the game out, you can really succeed. And there's mm-hmm. ways, there's some political intrigue tracks where you're able to move things with with bidding and and things like that 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 add some flavor to the game as well. Is this a newer game, or it's been around for it's a while? Around, I, I think it's been around about twenty years. So two thousand nine. No, yeah, it's not it's not terribly new, and um, it's it's a a a remake of a game called Friedrich, which is essentially the same basic concept. Maria um, tunes it a little bit better and balances things out. Both games are, are very well respected, but um, it's, um, it's one of those games that, you know, you get, 
you figure out who the two people you're going to play with. And you're like, okay, we got to pick a date and we got to make sure we got the time and let's go to dinner first. And you may, it, it becomes an event. I mean, it's a game that really sort of has a, a larger than life aspect when you sit down to play. All right, Sam, your number two is XCOM. Yeah. XCOM, the board game. I really like XCOM. Um, you like XCOM, the computer game. I do. You're a huge um, fan of that, right? I'm a huge the, fan. The OG of, or the new one? Uh, the new one. Okay. Um, I mean, the OG is, is fun as well, but I, I really fell in love with um, XCOM, Enemy Unknown, and then the expansion and XCOM 2, and they're a blast. But the, we're, this is, we're talking about the board game, mm-hmm. uh, which is based off of the remake. And... Um, I think it's unique on our list in that you do need the phone app to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking to availability, I'm not 100% sure if the app is still available. <laughs> what? Um, that could cause a problem. No, you can get it. I'm just not sure it's still on the Play Store. Um, it may be. I haven't checked. I still have it. All right, so we'll, we'll figure that out. side loading. And, um, At some point, we may... We, we might uh, scratch this number two out and add something well, only, else. Only one person has to have the app, <laughs> uh, and I do. I also have the board game. Uh, don't it's a, don't it, break your phone. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. It is a cooperative game, mm-hmm. uh, but there's plenty of dice rolling. There's a lot of there's a lot of press your luck where you're you're seeing how far you can push your resources against the aliens and. So so this is a war game or this is a dudes on a map game. Um. <sighs> kind of neither like you you set the board up in each there's four different roles or is this like a resource management it's, game? it's more about resource management oh, okay. so you have four different roles and like one person is the commander in charge of um air defense and so they'll spend money to put out uh fighter jets into the atmosphere and over the different nations they have a budget then you have a budget that everybody <laughs> shares and so you have to you have to decide how much you're going to spend on buying fighter jets versus ground troops. And there's a different player who's in charge of the ground troops who has to decide who to send out on a mission and who to send out to defend the base and who to use for what. And you roll the dice. And every time you roll the dice, you become more likely to fail and to get people killed. So you have to decide when. Okay, you so now it's sounding up again. <laughs> so yeah, I was, they were losing me there for a second. <laughs> <They're right. laughs> so you, yeah, you, you having a budget and sharing yeah. the budget. Uh, but now the people are dying. Oh, dying. It's, dying. It, it's a very, it's a very tight budget. Yes. Um, Sam and I played. Yeah, this Chris has together. played it, and I think we had a good time. I, I enjoyed it, but I do think it would be better with four people because I think we are each were playing two. Yeah, roles. We, it does play a little bit better with, with <clears> more than two. Um, but it's very much press your luck. There's a scientist where you're trying to upgrade through a tech tree, and there's even dice rolling involved in that. I enjoy it. It's a cooperative game. I enjoy cooperative games. But All right, Chris, your number two, Lords of Vegas, which we've covered, but you want to play it with Up, the expansion. We played it several times with just the base game, and I think Sam and I agreed after the last time we played that we really wanted to try the expansion for yeah. it. I don't know what the expansion does, but I love expansions. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Lords of Vegas is a game that I've always enjoyed. Just, you're messing with perfection. I'm just saying. Uh, it's uh, the Mona Lisa John, needs a hack. John, you I gotta, mean, you gotta you raise your hat. bar a little bit. So, the, so here's, my, here's my take on Up. So, Lords of Vegas, as it is, is a four-player, up-to-four-player game. I think so, yeah. 
So when you buy up, that allows you to play up to six players, five or six. Yeah, but we don't have two other people that we like. And you need the up expansion to make room for those six people. Because essentially what you do is when you have a casino, say like you have a two casino, you can pay to raise that two casino to a second level. And now it is a four casino. Nice. And so that is the basic running gear in that you can get bigger casinos with less space. So a, a crowded map with more players becomes less crowded or more manageable, I guess more is options. the way to say it. Hmm. Yeah. Sure. I, so, so played, is, it, is it going to work with four players with the, with the expansion, or is that not the way to play it? It might allow us to end the game by getting a 99 score. That is pretty much what yeah. it would do. Nice. Nice. I'd be so I mean, it would be a higher scoring game. I, I think it would be fine. But, I, but does it take the pressure off? Because a big part of Lords of Vegas is that you're, you're bumping elbows the entire time. So, all right. I think it, yes and no. Because it's going to cost a lot of money to lift uh, the casinos. And so with the last game, after we figured out, you can only reorg one time we had a bunch of money just kind of laying around right like all of us no, were sitting on fat I, I was sitting on fat stats stacks of cash but some of us were doing very well yeah um so it's that whole like is it cheaper to expand laterally or is it cheaper to expand vertically i and vote so, i vote that we try it and then talk about how we feel sure yeah. I'm, I'm down with that and uh, the bottom line is I'd like to play Lords of Vegas again. Yeah. All right. So we're, we're coming up on our number ones. Um, and I mean, very exciting. Have, we've been doing the list, Stephen, John, Sam, Chris. So mm-hmm. my number one is Thunderstone. Yes. Really? Wow. Which so, version of Thunderstone? Thunderstone. Any, well, Thunderstone or Thunderstone <laughs> Advance. Uh, the quest okay. gets a little... How many years has it been since we played Thunderstone? I don't know. It's probably been like five or six years. When did Thunderstone Quest come out? Yeah, we did play Quest. We played Quest like twice, and then we stopped playing Thunderstone. So Quest made Thunderstone into a campaign game, which I wasn't really as appreciative of because I like to just make a guided random setup and go at it. Like I also designed a couple of um, scenarios that you could play if you wanted to do like a set setup. But the whole you go in and then the next game the dungeon is only slightly different than the last time you played, and then you you play your third game. Okay, now the village is slightly different. But it's I like feel this like progressive. I feel like the fun of Thunderstone is seeing all the different cards and, yes, and, and exactly. exploring the dungeon. I don't Finding wanna, the mechanics that I don't want to play with together. the same cards, but one of them's different now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so that's that's essentially why I, I never really warmed up to Quest. Yeah. All right. So number one for John is CNC Ancients. Command, Command and Colors. Colors. Ancients. Wait, Command and Colors? I thought it was yeah. Command and Conquer. No. I thought it was. No, that's a video game. That's a video game. Uh, Command is and this Colors. as fun as the video game? It's more fun than the video game. I've never That's played the video statement. game, so I have absolutely no clue. This is one of the Richard Borg games um, that all follow a basic pattern. I think there's, gosh, there must, might be even eight or ten of them out at this point from mm-hmm. all different um, er- eras of history. 
Um, and then Memoir 44. Is in there. There's now Tricor, which is, is a Revolutionary War. There's mm-hmm. a Napoleonic version of it. So it's and, and and the original one was Battle Cry, which was American Civil War. So mm-hmm. there's, there's there's a whole bunch of them out. And I think there's I think there's a medieval out now too. So there's there's a bunch of stuff to choose from. I like Man of Colors Ancients. First of all, it's been incredibly successful, so there's all sorts of add-ons depending on what army you want to play. And, of course, Ancients covers anything from, like, the fall of Rome earlier, so it's a huge piece of history. Um, so you can you can be playing Romans, you can be playing uh, 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 the Persians, you can be playing whoever, and, 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 all of it, and all of it is set up in actual historic battles, which I've already told, figured out from you guys is, is kind of my nerdy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a dice throwing, very light war game. The board sets up quickly. The board plays quickly. Um, I used to play this with my son. He loved it, um, and and he would always play. Uh, he always wanted to play cavalry. He wanted to play fast. He wanted to hit hard, move on. I was was more of a heavy infantry guy. Great big thing in the middle and drive forward kind of. So so you got the opportunity to put your personality into the play. Um, as with any actual ancients battle, you only need to lose a couple of units and you're toast because your entire army implodes and starts running and then you get you get crushed. So the, so these battles do not last long. It's got war elephants. It's got all kinds of crazy stuff that just make it a whole lot of fun. So yeah. so so that's why I picked it. It's very. It's a beer and pretzels kind of war game. It's um, very light. Uh, the The rules level is very light, and um, and it's just a fun play. Only plays two, but that's how war games are, I suppose. It sounds really interesting. Why do you have all these cool games that I've never played? Uh, because when I bring them here, nobody plays them. We go, no, there's four of us. We can't play two two-player games because that wouldn't be right. And I'm like, sure it is. We're sitting right next to each other at the exact same table. Nothing's different. Play two games sitting next to each other. We can have a great time. So, yeah, just let me know. Put the put the game on the list. Request it. It goes in the car, okay. and it'll make it it sounds in. really cool, Yeah, but not as cool as Command & Conquer the video game which which gave us this you're actually putting tim curry on our podcast i'm escaping to the one place that hasn't been corrupted by capitalism <laughs> space <laughs> i think when you bring those games over john they go oh it's 20 years old we need so we're actually to going to so mean this excited to escape well, and, into and, space. And, and, and people don't want to do gmt games and people don't want to do war games so, so sam and i made our way through like a dozen of the memoir 44 on yeah, bgas yeah. so it's the same game uh, it's oh, okay. the same running gear. Yeah, you'll just, recognize an awful lot of it. Okay. Yeah, if you've from that, you'll know exactly how to play CNC agents. Okay. Yeah, and my copy has custom dice, which is nice. <laughs> All right, so Sam's number one is Root. Uh, Chris, your number one is Firefly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have no argument with passing over Root like that. Uh, <laughs> oof. All right, let's, I don't know let's that go I, back and give Sam his due. I, I don't know that I remember placing Root at number one. Um, but I did have it on my list, so I enjoy Root. I know you guys have all kind of uh, so here's, played it and, and not enjoyed here's it. Here's my problem with Root. It's a game that you have to play with the same people a number of times so that everyone is about the same level and on the same page. The problem that we've had is when we've played, somebody, either you or Cody starts playing uh, expansion characters because you guys have played the base characters enough that you feel like you can do that. What it ends up doing, though, is messing 
with the the balance it messes with the balance and the flow of the base game which is what we need to learn to be able to appreciate the game witness so i think if we are to play root with you it has to be all base characters or all base factions Okay. There's, you know, there's, you, but you saw the hesitation there. Since when are we forging a deal on this? Who's we? <laughs> yeah, I don't I'm think just, John wants to play again. I got to be honest with you. Well, I think John. It doesn't matter what John wants. We'll just do it tonight that he's not here and Cody's here. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'll just mention that Cody last time we played said, "Let's finish this up so we can go back to Buffy the Vampire Slayer." <laughs> yeah. That oh, was you a guys direct played clue. it at the May Game of We did. We did. We did. And, oh. and and as we were getting towards the end, he said, "Let's let's get this finished up so we can play some more Buffy tonight." Yeah. That's how so. we finished last year's May Game I left, and you and Cody were still playing Root. Yeah, and Kevin, I think. Yeah, we we kind of came to the we talked about it, we kind of came to the consensus that we enjoy it with. Uh, just the two of you. No, with with a smaller player count, with three or four rather than five or six. Gotcha. Yeah, I would play it at four with, again, base characters, everyone playing base characters. Because if I'm playing the cats, like, I feel like I need the birds and the the other whatever There's the they Woodland are. Alliance and the Vagabond. Yeah, I, I feel like I need those people on the board to, to have, like, the right... Um, Balance, mix ecosystem is the word. I was yeah, looking yeah for. The right Thank ecosystem. You. So yeah, need to have the f- base four to have the right ecosystem for us to learn how to play. Okay, well, and appreciate and be able to appreciate the, it. The the next time I bring it, we will only play with the base factions. Thank you. All right, Firefly. Let's end this on a high note. Oh, talk We're about on a, a, talk about a high note. On Fireflies are high note. On oh a shiny note. Firefly was a great TV uh, series. Serenity a, was sure, a great movie. Sure. Well, this is about the board game, not the movie yeah, or the TV this is about show. The board game. Anyway, it's a fine game. Yes, it's a fine game. It's more than a fine game. It's. It, it, I, I'll be honest with you. In my conclusion, we we played this at Big Gameathon again, and I, I think you were away at the time. But um, the conclusion I came to after playing it that time, and and I didn't even win. I, I think I came in a close second. I, I was not the winner. But um, this is the best pirate game that has ever been invented. Yeah. And granted, its theme is set in outer space, but there is there is nothing that is actually a pirate game that holds a candle to your ability to just show up and commit crimes and steal stuff and take off. And I, I just, I this this is how a narrative game is supposed to work. And, yeah. and we play with a whole bunch of the expansions and you've got the, the rollout map that covers the entire space. And I think you really need that. But um, from that perspective, I, as low Larger than life games go, I think this is at the top of the stack. Yeah. I think one of the best things we did was kind of like it comes with scenarios that you can play, mm-hmm. but we kind of went with the one. It's like, let's just set a dollar amount. Yeah. First person to get to there because mm-hmm. it really opens up the game. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's you find a ship, you get a crew, you find a job, you keep flying. And, and that's what it is. And it, there's fun. There's a lot of storytelling with it, moving the Reavers around, moving the Alliance people Dealing around. Dealing with things going wrong, yeah. which always happens. Always up to something no good. It's just you have to decide, am I going to be good? Am I going to be bad? You can play it differently. You can change halfway through. <laughs> All right, so that's our list. These are games that we all... 88% enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So 
that's our list. Um, some of these we'll get to. Uh, hopefully, we'll get to most of them. Um, I think we've got a really good list here to work from. Um, get some of them on a poll in, in, in the Discord and see I if mean, we can get some... Uh, uh, we do have the pick or play poll, so if there's something that we didn't call out and you think would be good for us to uh, have a look at, uh, keep an eye on our, our pick or play polls. Uh, we have one every month, and we allow you guys to pick the games that we play. Um, what the first one in May was Nexus Ops, and we had a yep. lot of fun with that. And it looks like Survive Escape, Escape from Atlantis is going to be the June game. Um, I'll have the new poll going up soon. Um, it should probably be up by the time this episode comes out. So go and nominate and vote. Yeah, and one of ours or one of your own. Yeah, absolutely. So Hopefully um, not too hard to find. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's it for us. Um, anyone have any parting thoughts on this list that we made? Give me my pen back. All right, great. Good night. This, you realize that, right? I mean... We got plenty to lose. It's fine. Okay. Um, so when we get to the second level seven game. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> this is, is that a the same game? This is a different game. It has the same name, Sam. This makes no sense. There's even other level seven games. Are they all different from each other? Yeah, or? they're all totally different. They're not even the same genre. Interesting. Then why do they have the, all have the name level seven? They're all set in the same universe. Like, fiction-wise. Fiction-wise.